Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Really delighted to have on the program Senator Phil Graham. Uh, he, uh, in fact, uh, the retired senator. I, I, I've known you, Senator. You won't remember me because I was one of a gazillion people that worked on your campaign, your first uh, U.S. Senate campaign um, back in the 80s. We met in Abilene, Texas, when you were sweeping across the uh, state and uh, uh, was then and remained a, a big fan of you and your work, mainly because uh, one of the main reasons is because you actually bring a lot of context and understanding uh, that uh, a lot of people in uh, politics, frankly, lack. I, I found your Ph.D. in economics very needed, and uh, really glad to be able to spend time with you today to talk to you about your new book. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. And uh, I remember the campaign well, and I, of course, came to Abilene many times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we met at, met at the time you were at the airport itself doing a press conference. You probably did several of those, though. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we were, was glad to meet you and glad to have you on. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about uh, your new book. Why don't you kind of just give us a panoramic overview of it? Well, the book is entitled The Myth of American Inequality. And what the book does is it notes that our, the way we look at the world increasingly is determined by a set of government statistics that are generated by bureaus, by agencies like the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Census Bureau, and that the major component of our measure of well-being, income, calculated by the census, has increasingly come into question because the census number uh, often conflicts with other government measures. And I'll just give you two of them. One, for the last decade, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has uh, gathered information on how much money Americans spend by quintiles, the bottom 20%, the second, the middle quintile, the fourth, and the top. And the Census Bureau has put out data on their income. And for a decade, the Bureau of Labor Statistics say says that people spent twice as much as the census said they had an income. The second quintile spent 10% more, and the top quintile spent only half as much as its income. A second mm -hmm. example of the problem is the poverty rate fell dramatically from the end of the Second World War until 1965 when the war on poverty started. And then it didn't change for 50 years, it simply oscillated between 14% and 11% of the population of the country was found to be poor. Now, during that period, the amount of government transfer payments 
going to the bottom 20% of income earners grew in value from $9,700 to $45,400 for the average household receiving and government transfer payments. So mm-hmm. how can you see income grow that much and yet the poverty rate does not fall? So. What we do in the book is we go back and look at how census calculates income, and we show that it fails to count two-thirds of all transfer payments uh, as Mm -hmm. income to the recipients. Uh, It doesn't count, for example, uh, refundable tax credits where you get a check from the Treasury. It doesn't count food stamps where you get a credit card from the Treasury you buy groceries at the grocery store with. It doesn't count Medicaid. It doesn't count housing subsidies. Uh, And also, it doesn't take into account taxes. So the Census Bureau says that the top 20% of earners make 16.7 times as much or have 16.7 times as much income is the bottom quintile. But when you count all transfer payments as income to the people who got the transfer payment and taxes as income lost to people that paid taxes, the ratio is not 16.7 to 1, but 4 to 1. The mm-hmm. poverty rate yeah. is not 12%, but 3%. And Whereas you've all heard the Economist magazine tells us that it is undisputed that income inequality is rising rapidly in America. Uh, Bernie Sanders tells us it's obscene and unsustainable. Well, we show uh, using government data uh, that uh, if you count all transfer payments as income to people who receive it, uh, count taxes as in people that pay taxes, that income inequality is actually slightly less today than it was in 1947. So, Kevin, we're having a debate in America about dramatically changing the greatest economic system in history on an argument that inequality of income is exploding when, in fact, it's lower today than it was 70 years ago. I know it's oh, yeah. dramatic and hard to believe, but it's we prove it. Yeah, I guess the old, uh, you know, Mark Twain, under his actual name, Samuel Clemens, when he said it, uh, that there are lies, government lies, and statistics. And I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, lies, uh, damnable lies, and statistics. Well, that that is what we've got. That's what we've got here with this uh, this situation. You know, and none of this even talks about. You know, you you alluded to the fact that the war on poverty was essentially a war on the poor because it really undermined their incentive to prosper. Uh, they created uh, incentives that made people want to work less, not more, keeping them stuck in uh, lower income brackets. Uh, you know, and you can say it's by design or not. It, it really doesn't matter. 
matter. It had that effect. And also, you were there back in the uh, uh, 90s when uh, the Clinton administration, while working mainly with Republicans because Democrats were aghast, uh, try you know work towards ending uh, poverty as they knew it, and the, and those were results were really uh, quite successful. And so now today we have a situation where no one can find anyone who's even willing to work. And I would say a lot of it has to do with what you cover in your book. Exactly. Look, as transfer payments to low income American house ninety seven hundred the forty. $400, the percentage of prime work age adults in the bottom 20% of American earners who actually worked fell from 68% to 36%, a dramatic reduction in work effort. And look, if you're yeah. not part of the economy, you're not on the escalator that provides economic opportunity to get ahead. So we, yeah. we eliminated poverty in terms of want, but we created idleness and basically detached much of low-income America from the economy. And as a result, in my opinion, everybody is poor as a result. Uh, also, yeah. Yeah. the 2 or 3% that are actually poor are people that have fallen through the cracks because of mental illness or drug addiction and just pouring more and more money into food stamps and welfare is not reaching those people. It's simply giving more money to people who long ago stopped being poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think he may have been Gerald Ford who originally said it, but I heard Jack Kemp say it several times, which was you know, the more you subsidize something, the more you get of it. The more you tax something, the less you get of it. He used it a lot, of course, no, in the supply-side arguments. And, uh, and so we're wondering why we have such a uh, culture of mediocrity and a soul of uh, poverty, uh, because although their incomes are certainly higher, uh, there's a soul of poverty that's uh, ubiquitous in America today. It really points back to the numbers you're talking about here, Senator. No, and listen, it, it continues to this day. What happened with the pandemic aid where we provided uh, benefits to people up to $150,000 a year of household income is that we started to affect the work effort of the second quintile of earners and middle-income Americans. And we had more people drop out of the labor market who have never come back, in part have not come back because they discovered what you could get in terms of all the benefits that are out there. And uh, one of the things we propose in the book is a mandatory work requirement uh, as a condition for getting government assistance that is means-tested, that is, that you get only if you're uh, supposed to be poor. And we reformed a small part of the welfare program aid the families with dependent children under the Clinton administration, and it was dramatically successful. 
People got yeah. off welfare, went to work, uh, escaped poverty the old-fashioned way by working their way out of it. And it was the greatest public policy success of my political career. Uh, it ended yes. up being killed by the Obama administration that waived the work requirements. And we've since had an explosion in other benefits. But we ought to go back and have a mandatory work requirement for able-bodied, work-age adults who are drawing public assistance uh, that's keyed to low income. And if yes. we did that, we would have people going back to work, becoming – how do you know what you can do unless you try to do it? Um, uh, how do you uh, succeed if you don't get on-the-job training? And I believe uh, that if we do that, that we will dramatically increase the productivity of the economy, we'll deal with our problem of being able to find somebody who will work. As you know, there's a help-wanted sign in every business in America. Um, uh, and the people will be better off. Yeah, no question about it. That was the greatest achievement of the Clinton administration as well. And I, I had plenty of criticism for President Clinton, but he was one of the very first advocates of uh, what he called workfare. He did that in Arkansas. He, he had people yeah. who were looking for these programs working in child care in Arkansas. It was one area he was really strong at, and it worked really well with Republicans. And uh, we need to go back to that because that poverty mentality that's been pretty Pretty common in the lower income groups for for generations has now spread up to higher uh, <laughs> groups as well, and it's, it's really disgusting. It's very alarming, and uh, really undermines the fabric of our society. Senator Phil Graham, the book, The Myth of American Inequality, and uh, thanks so much for being with us, sir. Listen, you can order it from Amazon, or if you've got a big bookstore in the town you live in, you can buy it. It gives the answer to all of these questions related to poverty, uh, related to inequality, the super rich, mobility, the American dream is alive and well, and we prove it in this book. Buy a copy. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, sir. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business.